My name is Josh Peck, host of Peck Report on Daily Renegade. I used to suffer with chronic pain from a degenerative bone disease. I was hopelessly addicted to opioids without any end in sight. But then I discovered Kratom and CBD. I am no longer on prescription drugs and I have more energy and pain relief than ever before. Kratom and CBD have given me my life back without draining my bank account. If you too would like some minor to major pain relief, Kratom and CBD might be for you. Either click on the links in the description below this video or go to dailyrenegade.com on the top left banner or right side ad and check out Tropic Health Kratom and CBD. Use promo code HEALTH20 for 20% off your order and get your life back today. Hey everybody, welcome to Peck Report. Today we have a very special uh, pre-interview for you with Greg Reed, somebody who actually was unfortunately uh, uh, just, just heartbreakingly uh, uh, abused through satanic ritual abuse. This is somebody who has seen it for what it is, and he is still around to tell us the story. So we're going to talk to him and so much more on today's Peck Report. All right. Hope you guys are doing well. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. So Greg Reed, for those who aren't familiar, is a phenomenal individual. Uh, we originally wanted him in the movie Silent Cry, but due to um, travel restrictions through coronavirus, we weren't able to get him on the actual movie. Uh, but I was able to do a pre-interview with him. So that's what you are able to watch today. It's something that was supposed to be in the movie, but unfortunately due to circumstances beyond our control, never made it in. So uh, that's regretful, but uh, you'll still be able to see what he would have been able to contribute. So we'll start that now. Here is part one of Greg Reed's pre-interview uh, from the movie Silent Cry. Enjoy. Greg Reed, uh, can you introduce yourself and tell us about uh, the background of your private investigation work involving sex trafficking and pedophilia? Well, uh, my name is Greg Reed, uh, and I'm an ordained minister, and I'm a researcher and a retired private investigator. And I started doing this work in 1987 and started to, we were actually working on occult-related crimes. We actually just started out doing presentations for churches on occult-related matters, and it was at a time when we were just on the cusp of a huge wave of satanic crime that was happening all over the country. And so we started following that, and I started to get um, asked to consult on cases and uh, train police departments and other criminal justice departments. And about 
three or four years into that, we began to find cases that were not just occult related, but related to pedophilia as well. And we were tracking two or three people that were molesting kids. And we started to follow those threads. And the, the more we followed them, the more we realized these were not necessarily isolated incidences. Some of them were, but some of them, the more we pulled the thread, the more they led to other people. And the next thing you know, we were getting roadblocks. Uh, we were getting told to back off of cases. And we got to a point where we realized this thing was a lot bigger than I thought. And I actually went to a, uh, a class by my mentor in law enforcement. He had a one-day class on child pornography that I was allowed to come to and so that he could consult with me on a case that I was working on here in El Paso. And he looked at it and he said, yeah, this is definitely bonafide. And this was, I think back, I'm going to say somewhere around 92 or 93. And he looked me square in the face. And this is way back then. He said, I want to tell you something. He says, child trade and child pornography is a $15 billion a year industry. You better be very careful that you want to do this because there's not much that they can't make disappear if you, they know that you're onto them. And that was my first real take a deep breath and see if this is really what God wanted me to do moment. Mm. Uh, in your estimation, uh, how common is sex trafficking and pedophilia in America today? I think it's prevalent. Every time I go and talk in a city, someone's told me about something they've seen or something they've run across in their city, whether it's a small town or whether it's a big town. Matter of fact, small towns tend to be a little more usable by these groups than the bigger towns because nobody's watching. What are some of the uh, most horrific things that you've come across in the realm of sex trafficking and pedophilia? Well, I, I was peripherally, peripherally, that's a big word, peripheral. <laughs> I was on the fringe <laughs> of uh, the uh, Franklin case in Nebraska, and I was working um, kind of in tandem with their uh, one of their private investigators because we were looking for a couple of missing kids, including uh, Johnny Gosh, the paper boy that disappeared. And uh, so I did. I drove up to Nebraska and reviewed all their case files, which dovetailed with a lot of files that we had on the Southwest and in parts of Texas. And the more we, we dug into that, the more we realized there were a lot of kids being trafficked. Uh, and there were a lot of kids being transported in cages and on trains and, and held in uh, caves and mines. And um, that was just one. I mean, if anybody has ever read about the Franklin case, it's the hardest read I think I've ever had to go through as far as a book. Uh, and uh, just real-time stuff. We're talking about uh, people who have no regard for the life of children. Um, and there have been several along the way that have, that have there have been some local cases that have led into Mexico where whole houses were being uh, maintained for uh, to have children uh, to be available to have sex with uh, wealthy people and uh, political people and whoever whoever wanted to. Mm -hmm. uh, have you noticed an increase in the normalization of uh, pornography and pedophilia among adults in our country today? And if so, how has that contributed to the problem of child sex trafficking? This has been a huge deal, and I've been trying to teach about this where I go because, you know, we have a situation where for years, most people, not most people, but some people have known that there have been two groups, the North American Man-Boy Love Association and the Rene Guyon Society, whose motto is sex before eight or it's too late. 
Mm. And they've been lobbying for the last 30, 40 years to lower the age of consent. And because of the success of the template of the LGBTQ community as politicizing the issue, now we're seeing a bigger and bigger push, uh, particularly in social media, by pedophiles to make their way normal. They now call themselves MAPS, which stands for Minor Affected Persons. And they are, you know, making very clever little memes. And of course, here's a situation, I think, since the advent of the internet, pornography in general has just, you know, flooded the human race. And it has flooded a generation of young people starting from the late 90s, probably, uh, or early 90s, who indulged in pornography, most of them either to a little or a greater degree, a number of those probably uh, indulged somewhat, not just in regular pornography, but other kinds of pornography. And a number of them probably touched on child pornography at some point. So what you have is a culture now that is not going to speak out against pornography because the level of guilt and fear, because they know that they've been part of some of that at some point. With all of that and the normalization of all kinds of sexualization, now we're dealing with a group of young people, probably as young as middle school, who are starting to be vocal about this. And this is what disturbs me no end, is we're hearing from middle school, high school kids saying, who are you to tell me that I can't have sex with an adult if I want to? It's my right. So you can see the floodgates have been opened, obviously, and back in the day, we had pedophiles who, you know, they would have to secure or procure, I should say, a child in some way, get them in a private setting, get a camera, set it up, take pictures, and hope that they didn't get caught developing the pictures. Then came the video camera. Then came the Internet. And now there is no restraining them for what they're able to do and capable to do in the abuse of children. Mm. Um what what things in children do predators look for specifically when they're targeting them? Uh, in general, probably kids that are um, uh, sensitive, uh, kids that come from a broken home or a home that they're just not being watched out after, uh, kids that are easily pliable. They look you know, often look for intelligence, kids with high intelligence, um, kids that are just don't get along with the rest of the kids, kids that have been bullying, bullied. Uh, and anyone they sense that is uh, uh, vulnerable to being plucked out of a crowd somehow, uh, we call it cutting them out of the herd. That's what they do is they find one that seems to be uh, wounded in some way or vulnerable in some way, and they find a way to slowly uh, manipulate the situation so they can get privacy with that child and start to groom them. Speaking of grooming, uh, what kinds of things will predators do to groom children into sex? Um, they'll do things like they'll uh, ingratiate themselves to the family if they can or get the family's trust. And then they will get some sort of private times. Maybe it's a church setting, youth group, Boy Scouts, uh, Girl Scouts, uh, any number of settings like that where they have access to kids. And they will just start to pay attention to them and start to talk to them and then treat them like they're an adult. And then start to groom them. With, You're really a great kid. You know, you're really awesome. And then at some point, you know, use something like maybe they need help with homework and get permission to help them with homework. And then they'll start buying them little gifts and then uh, maybe invite them over to the house and, 
you know, pedophiles usually have the coolest houses in the world for kids. You know, they got the video games, they got the big screen TV, and then they slowly start to um, hand out affection to that child who's probably starving for affection. Uh, maybe a little hug, a little pat on the shoulder, whatever, and then it gets to be a little more. And at some point they introduce um, any number of things, maybe drinking, you know, some adult activity, uh, some mild form of pornography. So all this is the grooming process all along, you know, with the, the thing in mind that they're going to eventually tell the child, you can't tell anybody about this. You know, they wouldn't understand. And once, and, and I heard uh, one pedophile say that they took, they could take up to a year to groom a child before they ever, ever laid a hand on them. Mm. Wow. Uh, all, a lot of this uh, connects with uh, recent, like current events having to do with Je uh, Jeffrey Epstein, which has you know been all over the news. Uh, who was Jeffrey Epstein? In my um, opinion, Jeffrey Epstein was a bottom feeder on the larger pedophile and child trading groups around the world. He was somebody who got a lot of money off of trafficking in children and uh, probably had the best black book available of all the politicians and the famous people that were involved in, in the, the sexual abuse of, of children. And he was just on the bottom rung. When I say bottom feeder, I'm not trying to be unkind. I'm just saying that's the reality is he was on the bottom rung of a much larger, much more dangerous organization. And I knew from the minute he got caught, not the first time, but the second time I told a friend, I said, they're going to suicide him. There's not a chance they're going to let him talk and they're going to get a hold of his black book. And a year from now, we're not even going to be talking about Jeffrey Epstein. Wow. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly what, what, what's happening. Um, you, you said, uh, you, you had come across groups in Arizona involved in pedophilia and sex trafficking that may have been tied to Epstein. Can you tell us about that? Well, it was that caliber of group. Uh, we interviewed someone who had escaped from that group. And uh, that person had been a part of that group and used by that group for seven years. They were involved in gun running, uh, drug sales, um, child pornography, child snuff flicks where they killed the child at the end of the movie. Uh, it was motorcycle gangs involved. It was they had several compounds in the Arizona area. Uh, and some of them you couldn't get within a mile or you get shot on site. And that's where they would keep the kids while they were transporting them. Uh, they flew people on private planes into the south end of a university there to uh, come in to have sex with children. We're talking about people in government and people in high places. It was a very, very organized and dangerous group and some people in high places. How, how did you get in, involved in that investigation? What was what was the conclusion uh, that that came out of that? The conclusion was, um, I I took down all the information from the uh, from the runner, and then I did some boots on the ground out in Arizona and verified as much of that information as I possibly could. I verified the locations, I verified the addresses of some of the people that were named, and nothing absolutely. It was a fifteen page report. Nothing in there was. Uh, the things that could be verified were absolutely able to be verified. And uh, the conclusion was, is that I turned it over to some um, friends in the FBI and they said, you know, it was great information, but they didn't have the time or the money to work on it. And I gave it to another friend who was in another agency and he said, 
would love to do this, but I have to have a drug connection. And if you can't find me that, they won't give me permission. So it was DOA. The case was, you know, dead on arrival. So uh, we know it's still happening. We don't know if they've changed all of that, uh, all their locations. They tend to move around somewhat. But at the time, it would have been an opportunity to take down a huge chunk of the child trading and exchange uh, network in the United States. It's a shame nobody took it. Wow. And in that verified information, um, what, what were the what were what was their verified information connecting it with Epstein? We never found the connection to Epstein. I just knew when the Epstein thing happened, it was pretty clear to me that they would have been on the edges of it somewhere because at some point, you know, they all connect. It did, however, connect with a case out of Truth or Consequences, New Mexico, um, which most people never even heard of Truth or Consequences in New Mexico, but it's a perfect place for trafficking children because nobody looks at it. There's a lot of people on the payroll. Uh, it's a small town. You know, people go there to get gas and to get out of there as quickly as they can. That's kind of the way it is. And um, we found a lot of trafficking going on in that town. And while we were in the midst of that, there was a, a breaking news that a man had been arrested in Truth of Consequences. He had a trailer and he had been uh, kidnapping and torturing and raping and electroshocking women in that trailer for quite some time. This is not in any newspaper that I know of, but I remember when they arrested him, he came out of the trailer and the first thing he said to the to reporters was, I'm a Satanist. We make these movies for our groups. Mm. And then it was complete silence after that. Uh, one of the agents went home and, and killed themselves after investigating for, for whatever reasons. I was assured it had nothing to do with it, but I'm not confident because when you saw the inside of a trailer, it was horrendous. Who keeps an electroshocked coffin? And he had a huge sign on his wall that said Satan's toy box. Mm. Um, one of the women that he got, and probably more, were prostitutes. And this particular prostitute, I believe, was coming down from Albuquerque. She managed to escape. She went to the police. It all became national news. The whole thing went to trial. But according to a friend that was debriefing the runner that I told you about, when she saw this girl being taken to the police department and showed her on the news, she almost got hysterical. And she said she was with us in the group in Arizona. Wow. So it's they're very well connected. Mm. There's a lot of people today uh, who don't believe that child sex abuse and Satanism have anything in common because of the satanic panic uh, decades ago. What can you tell us about that case and how has it been misrepresented? Well, I have the unfortunate advantage to actually have been boots on the ground from the start of 86 into, a, well, to currently. So I was privy to actual working cases of satanic crime for a number of years. And the backlash and the satanic crime, the satanic panic nonsense was almost a complete lie uh, because they fabricated that story at the time when we were working on some of the most heavy duty cases we had. Almost every case we had of organizing, organized occult crime, black magic crimes, involved the abuse of children and the trafficking in children. And that's the way I used to talk to law enforcement about it is you've got a child trading group, child pornography group, and you have a satanic group. The satanic group can provide a child to the child trading group. The child trading group can provide the child to the satanic group. It's mix and match. In the end, it's all about money. 
Uh, what kind of evidence did you find through your work as a private investigator showing a connection between the occult, pedophilia, and child sex trafficking? We worked a couple of different cases for children uh, where they were, while they were in therapy, wrote massive amounts of uh, drawings and pictures that showed occultism as well as the abuse they were taking place. We were talking about little children the age of 10, um, you know, doing little childish drawings of them being, you know, sexually abused and then, you know, occult things that they had no way of having, of knowing what that was. Those were peripheral cases. Um, there was a case that went to trial in one particular city that I was consulting on where a uh, 10-year-old boy and his six-year-old sister were being trafficked by their stepfather in Mexico for sex. And uh, the lady who was running the house, they, she, they refer to as a brujo or a witch. And uh, there was a lot of talk about uh, devil worship and any number of things in the process. So that was there were several cases like that that were one particular one, we got 15,000 uh, pages of handwritten documents regarding a national um, occult-related child trafficking group uh, that was trafficking kids all the way from uh, Houston into Colorado and out to California and up to Nebraska. And uh, that's when we got into that case. That's when the some of the pushback started to happen. All right. Uh, Greg Reed is an amazing individual and I, I very much thank him for taking the time to to speak with me there is a part two to the interview that you're going to want to watch a lot of the reason that i can't air it is because of youtube uh restrictions so if you want to complain to somebody complain to youtube i would rather give all of this to all of you for free uh, unfortunately there's no way to do that but what you can do is you can get a membership at dailyrenegade.com you can get a membership. It's only $10 a month or $100 a year. Through that, we have been able, through, through the funds that have come through uh, this website, we've, through this ministry, we've been able to build a, 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 a safe place uh, where all of us can go and we know that we're not going to be restricted. We're not going to be censored. So dailyrenegade.com, $10 a month or $100 a year. If you can do it, I suggest getting the $100 a year because you get two months for free that way. So go ahead and do that. It's a great way to support this ministry, and you will get the rest of Greg Reed's interview, and you're, you're really going to want to hear what he has to say uh, for the conclusion of this interview. We even did some behind-the-scenes things, so make sure you check that out. So members, if you are an existing member and watching this at Daily Renegade, hang on the line. We will uh, get to the rest of the interview. Everybody else, thank you so much for viewing, and until next time, love you all. Take care and God bless.